My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. Last week, we talked about the distortions of political polarization and how ideology is actually on a spectrum, which led us to the conclusion that we may not be as polarized as we think we are or are portrayed to be. Today, we'll get into the second part of our discussion, namely, what is on the line if we stay in the mindset that we are irreparably polarized and give suggestions for personal reflection about how people get stuck and how to get unstuck. Hi, Lauren. So here we go. I'm good. Um, Got a big topic to talk about. Right. It takes two parts to get through it. I think we could talk about it for five parts, but we'll do our best. Yeah. Um, All right. Cool. Well, let's jump right in. Um, Let's talk about this. So we're going to lead with what's on the line if we stay polarized. So Nick, from your psychologist hat, what would you say are the costs of our society continuing to stay politically polarized? Right. Well, the the good thing from our first, the first part of our discussion that gave me hope is that we may not be as polarized as we think we are, but we, but we get stuck in this mindset that we actually are, that the people um, who, uh, with whom we uh, work or go to school or our neighbors are, um, you know, our potential enemies on the other side of this black and white dynamic. And, you know, the, the dangers are great. Uh, obviously, this, this seems to be an obvious thing um, that if we continue to look at people in these black or white dynamics, that it's going to lead to disconnection and distrust and anger. And, um, and really, what's going to get done? You know, what's going to get accomplished if we continue to look at uh, each other in these, these dynamics? And so, um, if we stay polarized or we stay with the notion that we are polarized irreparably, um, then, uh, then I think we're in a lot of trouble. And, and that's why that's part of why we're, you know, again, the, the whole theme of this podcast that you and I are doing, not just this episode, but, uh, the, the whole thing really is like applying what we do in therapy with regards to cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy and this, this notion of black or white thinking and catastrophic thinking and kind of getting out of that mindset. So, um, a lot's at stake here. Um, if, if we stay in this mindset. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's interesting. There's both the perception of how polarized we believe ourselves to be and how, you know, media and interaction, you know, can feed or reinforce that. And then there is how actually are we polarized, which yes, we talked about last week that we might not actually be as far apart as we think we are. And that a lot of people, the majority of people are actually in the middle. So um, yeah, I mean, I think what I would just add to what you said is that the more I view it as two sides, my side or the other side, um, the more I'm going to feel anger and disdain and distrust for the other side. And if I'm going around in the world that and thinking that half of the people I interact with are stupid idiots that can't be trusted, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's an internal 
right? Like, uh, right. Think about your fight or flight, right? Like if I think that half the population is a bunch of idiots, I'm going to be on guard. You know, I know this may sound like a reach, but like, I feel like that's going to show up in road rage, right? Like I can't trust my neighbors. So I'm going to be driving on the defensive. (laughs) Like, look at this idiot. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? They're cutting me off, right? Like the more anger we feel internally, the more we're putting anger out into the world. And the more we're on the receiving end of anger in the world, the more defensive that we become. Um, So I think that it's hard to even nail down exactly how it uh, plays out. But really, I think it's just like the bottom line is distrust and anger. And that that has it that has a huge influence on our on our interactions. well, and I think, I, but I also, I think we think we, 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 we seek that out then. We seek this dynamic out. We seek about, you know, what are our neighbors? What are their political feel, affiliations? What, what do they feel about abortion? How, you know, what do they feel about Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whatever? Yeah, um, I like you. Can becomes, I trust you? What are your beliefs? Maybe we'll see yeah. if we align, you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, and we, so I think that's one of the effects of this is that we, we seek that out. We seek out who's on my team, who's in my tribe. David Brooks has written a lot of, of good, good things about this, like the political tr- the tribes that we get into. It's uh, in a way, in a way it's uh, the echo chamber know, in a way I hate to. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but I, I, I think we like the completeness of that. There's something about our psychology that likes the completeness of, the label. of being on one side or on the other side, the label. Um, but man, um, the, the world is just not like that. The world is, there's so, there's so much gray area and we do appreciate that. Um, totally. So um, what did you want to say about the social contract? Yes, let's just head on the social before. contract. So this is kind of a political philosophy concept that there's this thing that is the social contract. It is an unwritten thing that is inherited at birth. And basically it means that uh, other people, some people might call it also like a natural law in that, When we live in a world with other people, if we only look through the individual view, we are missing the fact that we as a species are reliant on other people um, for our survival. And so it says that, you know, it dictates we will not break laws or certain moral codes. And in exchange, we reap the benefits of our society, namely security, survival and education and other necessities needed to live. Now, polarization doesn't have much to do with breaking laws or, or, or moral codes, but it's, it's kind of just the more I get stuck in a me versus you mentality of I cannot trust my neighbor, it is a threat somewhat to a social contract because we need teachers to teach our children and we need police officers to keep us safe and we need food workers to work on the supply chain, right? Like there is, we are relying on each other for the survival of our society. And if I view my neighbor as the enemy, there is some threat to that. Um, and so we don't have to get too deep, too deep into it. But, you know, I always think that people like, at least in recent times, there's been a lot of um, animosity towards doctors and towards police. And those are two things that when you really need them, you need them. Um, and so the, there, are, there are consequences to our distrust of others that actually can affect us in a pretty significant way. And having insight and awareness to that, I think is important. Right, uh, totally agree. And that, that's the piece of this, I guess, that when we look at um, where that social contract could, could start to come apart is when, when we hear things like, you know, defund the police uh, and 
Uh, what was the other example that you gave? Doctors, doctors um, can't be trusted. Science doctors, can't be trusted. Doctors. Right, right, right. And, uh, and th those are obviously extreme black or white positions. Some doctors can't be trusted. That's absolutely true. There are many police officers that are doing very bad things. Um, but to, to throw both of those institutions out, um, and you know, is obviously a problem. Um, and, and, and chips away at that social contract. We have to cooperate with, with other people. Um, because we're, we're relying on them. We are. And that's as, as human, as a human mammal species, that's just how it goes. You know, um, we, I mean, I'm not an anthrop anthropologist, I think it is. Don't they study like early human beings? And, uh, evolutionary um, yeah, anthropologists, I think that's what they do, yeah. Sure, sure. But like, uh, that's kind of how we are. We're social creatures. You know, we rely on other people um, to get things done. And if we're looking at, if, if we're going to divide down the middle and say, you know, my team's over here, your team's over there. Um, you know, I think Bill Maher says this, it's like, you can't, they're not going away. Like if you're a Republican, sure. the Democrats aren't going away. And, and it's person. the same yeah, on exactly, the other side. Right. Right. Yeah. Vice versa. And so, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, that's a really good point, right? Like we need to all work together to some degree and there's consequences if we don't. So, you know, I guess the other thing that I would say is, you know, if you think about the evolution of time as in the, in the 19, in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, our world was a lot simpler and it's not was without issues, but as you know, was technology and science and people are living longer. And, you know, I mean, just the, the issues that have evolved in our time versus a hundred years ago are so great. You know, I mean, we're, it's such a whole new ball game and the more divided we are, the less ability and resources we have to tackle those issues. So. I agree. And it is a different time. I wonder, you know, if it's more difficult, that's an interesting question for an anthropologist or a historian, sure. you know, to talk about, you know, the parallels of, you know, let's say uh, the early 20th century versus what's going on now. I mean, I would anecdotally argue, yeah, obviously the, the science is advanced to the point where we're the trend. We, I, mean, I can fly to, you know, I can fly in an airplane across the world tomorrow, you know, exactly. Um, and, with Facebook, the internet, that's blown things wide open. And I, that's, you know, we've done, we've had talks before about the, the negative aspects of Facebook and the internet and Twitter and everything else, but that, that could, uh, those are tools that can break that contract even further. You know what I mean? That we didn't have that, you know, so long ago. So we have to grapple with that as, as a human species at this day and age, it's very, it is, it is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Let's get into some of the other parts. So, I, you know, one observation that I, I thought of that I wanted to kind of reflect on for a moment is um, in the rise of Facebook, I remember when Facebook first came out and you would create a little about me profile. And one of the questions it would cue you to ask is what is your you know political affiliation? And that was really one of the first times where we started kind of putting something out to the world that this is who right. I am and this is what my identity is and this is my likes and dislikes and this is my sure. political affiliation. And prior to that, yeah, maybe you saw people's yard signs at election time. Maybe they would tell you where they were, but you knew people through much different lenses where we're putting ourselves out there as this is who I am and this is what I believe from the jump 
which certainly I would argue it has had a, a contribution towards this. I know that for people that do, you know, the online dating and the apps, like you can, you can, mm. you put your political affiliation on there or your sure. ideology and you can filter people out. I don't want to see people that are moderate or I don't want to see people that are Republican or mm. Democrat or whatever. Right. And so we're identifying ourselves with our, our ideology in ways that we didn't used to. And we now look at people through that label. There's Nick and he believes blank, right? Um, and now Nick equals Democrat or Republican or whatever you are, mm -hmm. and that's all you are. And now I'm gonna right. interact with you accordingly. Yeah, so what you're saying, that was the first opportunity that we had as a, uh, uh, the, 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 the first widely circulated uh, uh the first opportunity for a widely circulated pamphlet about your about your likes and dislikes um exactly. to be broadcast to the world um imagine if there was like what would the 1985 facebook version be it would be like a pamphlet or something like you move into a neighborhood and you put pamphlets in everyone's mailbox about your likes and your dislikes That's and so new, funny. On the, here's the neighborhood <laughs> This is me. Here's, here's my billboard. Here's my right. pamphlet. Here's what you need to know about me. Here's my stance on abortion. Here's my stance on climate sure. change. This is what I think we should do in terms of taxes. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> right, right. But that's but that what that would be the equivalent. And this is I, I you know I think what you're saying is uh, I mean this is a knock on Facebook. This is a knock on like putting it all out there. I think isn't it? Isn't that what kind of what well, we're going out here? Not necessarily a knock it's more of an observation right facebook's been around almost 20 years 20 years i guess no 2005 no. was when it came out I 2005 2006 okay. okay so close, coming up yeah so coming close up. Okay. to 20 years so i mean if you think about in the past 20 years what that has done for polarization and how divided we are i mean it's significant yeah. it's worth mentioning it's worth kind of considering the role of that and in the absence of that phenomenon how you know how we might have interact differently or you know in the past or whatever so all right i think it's a knock on facebook i think you're not gonna all facebook. right knock on facebook <laughs> all right anyway so let's talk about what are what are our thoughts about what you can do i do want to point out and thinking about what can we do you i want i would encourage you to think about this in terms of like a macro how do we solve the problem of polarization? And, you know, I, I think that's the million dollar question, right? Like, what do we do about this? How do we fix this? How do we come back together? Um, and then the kind of micro of like, how can you as an individual kind of contribute towards, um, you know, coming back, co people coming back together, or at the very least, um, unwinding some of the, the anger and distrust that you may feel as a factor of, um, polarization so kind of the macro micro dynamic let's talk about the macro we're gonna do macro first what do you think of the macro i don't know <laughs> I, I mean i wish i had a thought <laughs> like I, I wish there was a clear path forward to how do we bring our country back together i would love that i think you know something i wrote down to talk more about later is that i think we actually need to view polarization as a political issue the same way we think about the rest of the political issues, because it's surely, in my opinion, it, it, the more distrustful we are of others and the other side, uh, I think it's of great consequence. Oh, I, I, just to take just as a little bit of a tangent, but like when they talk in um, in politics about the other side of the aisle, um, that always really bothers me. If I um, uh, if I were ever in um, 
politics uh, where I could sit on one side of the aisle or the other side. I would do, and I know this guy gets a lot of flack, and I'm not whatever, but um, Joe Manchin. You know, at the State of the Union, he sat on the Republican side of the aisle. Now, he did that for a political reason, and maybe for this very reason that we're talking about, is how, what, are some, what are some ways that we could decrease that polarization? I would sit on the other side of the aisle with other people. I, I truly would do that um, because I want to get to know them. I want to know their children's names. I want to know where they go on vacation. I want to know what they're into, what, you know what I mean, and, and not just know what their tax policies are and, and sit on the opposite side of the room because I don't like their tax policy. That's so stupid to me. Um, and I think that's a micro way. If I were there, that would, I would kind of address that. But um, yeah, anyway, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, whenever you watch the state of the union, I mean, it, it, it feels like a circus, like a clown, like circus to sure. me, right? Because it it's is. that yeah, exact phenomenon that you're talking about. There's lots of eye rolling. So, you know, it's that it's a, it's a very tribal thing. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is harmful towards productivity. Um, okay. But let's talk. We have some ideas about, you know, what can you do on your piece? I, I think one thing to consider is that we need to acknowledge that we are all influenced by the conversations we have, by the media that we consume, by, by, the, by the news that we watch, by what we read, by, by everything. We are, we are all mm -hmm. influenced. And so while we have mm -hmm. our own views, we are influenced by what we hear. And to some degree, if we are influenced in a way that we are not mindfully consuming that, it is going to influence us. It's going to shape how we think about things. And so acknowledging your influence and trying to challenge and be open-minded to, okay, this is what I think and why do I think that? And what's the other side of it? The same thing you're saying, sit on the other side of the art. Practice debating with yourself. Okay, well, this is one side of the argument and what's the other side of the argument? And are there is there value in any piece of what the other side is saying? Right. Um, let's go. We have a list of things, and I want to kind of yeah. touch on them uh, before. So the other thing is leave Facebook. You know, that's another <laughs> thing that you can do is knock talk it. about a knock on knock on Facebook is uh, to leave it. I I am still on it. I'm only on it for the most. For, really, I like the groups. We're on an OCD Facebook group. I really like that. I, I gain a lot from that. But even on that, there's a lot of uh, infighting. You know, infighting, you know what I mean? And I, man, I'm tempted to read it. And sometimes I do. And then I get sucked in. Um, the, the, um, th there's a, there was a, there's a friend of mine from graduate school that I don't follow. And I unfollowed because she would troll people and mm. kind of get into political arguments. And I would get sucked in and read them and be tantalized by that. So I stopped, I unfollowed her, stuff like that. Unfollow friends that are just constantly posting about, you know, political issues and trying to, you know, rile you up because let, let's be clear that division is what Facebook and these algorithms go for is to, is to divide. Um, and so that's one suggestion. Yeah. And, and, uh, just, you know, in the interest of not being blocked, you know, Facebook may not be all bad, right? So maybe it's not about leaving Facebook, but maybe it's right. thinking about like, what, how am I using Facebook? How, you know, interacting more mindfully. And so it's not in a black and white way, but, um, the, I think the leaving Facebook groups, I gave the anecdote on the last one about my friend that was in a neighborhood group that became political. And when she left that yeah. particular group, Facebook became a lot more enjoyable. And so did even more so her neighborhood, right? So mm -hmm, thinking right. about that and, and kind of interacting with that mindfully. 
talk to people about things besides politics or, you know, uh, or vaccine status. <laughs> I feel you like know. that one's died down, which honestly, thank God we could stop fighting it about has. vaccines. So that's, that's kind of good. Um, well, as COVID has died down, but yeah, I think you're right. right. I mean, like that was deeply divisive for people and, you know, for, you know, all of the reasons, there was good reasons why it was deeply divisive, but, um, talk to people about something besides politics. That to me, like, it's funny in reading that it sounds kind of softball. It sounds like, oh, okay. Like get along nice with people. But, um, I actually think it's pretty big because if you think about it, we are, you know, as I said, we, we identify people with kind of our, our perception of them and our labels of them and how they view the world. And it's like, well, I don't want to talk about so and to talk to so-and-so because I know she's really into this mm. and then she's going to talk my ear off and we're not going to agree and it's going to be awkward and blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. And, it, you know, I think how we overcome polarization is challenging yourself to be curious and open towards people about political issues and otherwise. So even if you know that person is on the other side of the aisle from you and you don't agree with their politics, that doesn't mean that you couldn't have a perfectly pleasant interaction with them and being open to do that. And I think that that will contribute towards the behavioral learning of maybe so-and-so isn't all that bad. And maybe I can talk to that person and maybe we don't have to talk about politics and maybe we can actually have a great time. We can. We, we like we said last time we met. I think we talked. We went to the conference and talked to all kinds of different people with all kinds of political affiliations, and we got along. And we didn't talk about politics. Now, this doesn't say that we can't talk about politics ever. And part of me, as you're talking, I'm like, well, th- we should be able to dialogue about with these, you know, about these things. I'm not saying we're not saying you can't or you shouldn't or whatever, but to have a little bit of nuance about it. Absolutely. And if you disagree. If you disagree, you would say, I see things differently and that's okay. I don't have to change your mind on this. I don't have to, we don't have to get into this debate where one person wins. This isn't a um, sum of all cost or all, all or nothing. I forget. All of it. Yeah. Before, but, we, you know, yeah. We don't um, have to net zero it out. We don't have to perfectly agree and come to a conclusion that we can right. both live with. We can just say like, yeah, I see that differently and that's okay. Or I guess I take all prisoners mentality. Like I'm going to art, like I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to argue this point until you at least have empathy with me or see, see my, no, you know, I just, I just agree, disagree on that. That's fine. Uh, and then, and then move on to something else. We don't have to win every, we don't have to die on every hill. Practicing civility as another thing we need to be thinking about. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're that, Civility is not matched. You know, sometimes somebody is, is rude with you and, you know, of course that's, that happens, but we, we have to practice being gentlemen and gentlewomen and, uh, and, and, and be civil with each other and realize that, you know, like, once, like we talked about before, the other side is not going away. We have to learn how to live with each other uh, and remember that we have these shared interests in the social contract. So... One thing that we can, can think about too is looking at issues over sides. Like if we really want to be less polarized, then we need to get into the habit of not thinking about each side has its own agenda and everybody on that side agrees with all of the same positions with these issues and that it's this yeah, very exactly. black or white, all or nothing, right? Yep. All Republicans view this. Which can't be, all which can't be true. <laughs> and if we... <laughs> It's not true. It's absolutely mm-hmm. not true. That's the whole point. If we can look at things in terms of issues and not sides, then we can 
be less polarized. We can work together more and we don't have to get stuck in this me versus you phenomenon. Right. Uh, agree. And you could take any issue uh, and you could and you could divide it up into mm-hmm. you know, uh, things that most people can come to terms with. And I think that some of the legislation that's being passed recently uh, embodies that. Not everyone's getting what they want. And, um, you know, and that, that that's kind of a that's probably a good thing. That's funny when you said that, all I could think about is like, what's it like to be a parent, which is always, I don't know if your kids say this, but my kids are at a stage where all they say is it mm-hmm. is not fair. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yep. Hello. Welcome to the world. Hey, I'm going to teach you a little bit of a lesson right now. Like it is not fair and you are not going to get what you want and I can't make it fair yes, and I, I can't make everyone happy. And it doesn't, I go, your, what do you say? Your premise is a false premise. <laughs> That's exactly how it's. Yeah. <laughs> your poor She's children. like, dad, I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> your premise is a false premise right like it's it's funny because it's such a hard concept it doesn't matter if you're a baby or a child or an adult like not getting everything you want is hard for right. people and it's also reality let's you look know? at ad- advocate intelligently what do we mean by that uh to the right people versus being angry staring into the abyss vilifying the other side i think on this it's so much easier to vilify that that's the easy way out it's so easy for me to sit here and look at the other side and say those people are all idiots um you know uh, they're they're liars they're cheaters whatever that can't be true and as much as my primal brain tells me it's true this is the problem with being a human being lauren we have a prefrontal cortex we have these giant heads and in it houses this huge brain. The biggest part of the brain is the prefrontal cortex. The, that's what we're trying to do here with this very high-minded discussion about, you know, black or white thinking and all this. We're trying to overcome that, what I call that that primal piece. This is, I wanted to talk about this a little bit later when we talk about the, the issue of anger but it fits here as well because you know when you're on youtube and you're clicking on a certain video or you're on facebook and you and you pause at a certain article it's usually the one that's vilifying the other person it is so boring to me now to see like it's so overdone the clickbait stuff you see on facebook or twitter or whatever that says such and such is owned they're owned they're destroyed tucker carlson destroyed by john stewart you know, Tucker Carlson is still alive today. He still lives and breathes. He made it. <laughs> he made he survived it. He survived John Stewart's attack. destroying <laughs> attack on him. It's it's all clickbait <laughs> bullshit. But like you get, you know, but, but that's what gets us. That's what sells. That you know, they they tap into that primal piece, and so we have to. You know, we're talking about what not to do, and so we have to realize. Listen, I'm not a monkey here. You know, I can talk intelligently about these things. And I don't have to vilify the other side. I got to be better than that. That's it's hard to do. It's a really hard skill because our primal brain, like I said, wants to take us into the depths. But uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's such a good point. I mean, like when we think about advocating intelligently, I think the best way to really understand that is the zero utility of being angry into the abyss. And everybody can, like, everybody knows, like, we've seen it, we've experienced, we've probably been there. And where you're just like, I'm mad, and I'm mad for the good reason to be mad, and I can't do anything about it. And it's just like, it, 
probably not towards change, you know? And so if you really are, if you really are displeased with things that are happening politically, we need to find a way to advocate intelligently towards change mm-hmm. to the right people in a way that is useful, right? And that that's a lot harder than being angry into the abyss. And it's a lot right. harder than vilifying the other side. But if you really want to go towards change, you got to figure out like, how do you do that? Right? Like, it's the same thing. If you have to have a hard conversation with someone, you have to think about, okay, what, what do I need to say? And how do I right. say it in a way that they can hear it? And that's the same thing with yeah. political advocacy, right? Like you have to think about how do I get my message across? So you're really talking about how you're framing this, how you're framing the discussions around this because, and, and that, right. I mean, that, that's, that, that really yeah. comes down to the words that you choose in your discussions with uh, your politician of the, opposite persuasion or your neighbor or, or whatever who might disagree about a certain thing. Um. Yeah, think about it. If somebody got, if you were a politician or, you know, whatever, and somebody called you up and screamed, yeah, for girl, sure, for would sure. you value what they had to say? Or if somebody called you up and right. made intelligent points and, you know, talked mm-hmm. about things in a way that was compelling, right. you're more likely to take it seriously, right? And that goes true with neighborhood groups and, you know, everything else. It's it's how do you get your message? Right. In and a you way can't that do that. Can That's our point here. That's the larger point. You can't do that if you're stuck in these um, cognitive, cognitive, bad and cognitive Tribal distortions mind. and black or white catastrophic making. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So let's talk about where we people get stuck. Because when I thought about doing this, I could I could hear in my head all the like, yeah, well, well what do you mean? This? And what about that? Well, say what you mean. And I think that it's more, a- you, you were thinking that criticism would be what? Sure. Well, not necessarily the criticism, but it's the flaws in the argument. You know, one thing we both treat OCD and one thing about treating OCD is we actually have to outsmart the OCD. So I have to kind of anticipate what the OCD is going to want somebody to do or the anxiety or the addiction or whatever it is. I have to kind of anticipate that and then consider Mm -hmm. that in, in working with the person. Right. So like in anticipating what are the, what are the flaws with the argument? I think, uh, and discussing them, there's some usefulness, right? So, um, so yeah, let's talk about where people get stuck when we're kind of thinking about moving past polarization. Um, the first thing that I thought of is just essentially the hopelessness, right? Like you look, the problem feels mm-hmm. so big and so overwhelming that mm-hmm. there's like a shutdown response. Um, and I think that's valid. I mean, I think I, I sometimes, maybe I'm sure you do too, when you read about mm-hmm. news in the world and polarization and right, like you hear some of the political commentary, there's a part of you mm-hmm. that's like, oh God, right? That's heavy. Um, and I think that that's valid and I think you should notice it and then name it. And then you got to zoom out, you know, because when you well, get stuck, the, we, you get we did stuck a whole hopelessness story. podcast, which was, you know, Exactly. Really to to hear. Couple episodes yeah, I'm sure. ago. Uh, but but uh, but but anyway, what did we say? <laughs> I, I'm actually forgetting now. But like, but I think I think the zoom out stuff because uh, it is so it's so easy to get stuck in that. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not hopeless um, about these things. I'm doing some things on my end that I think are helpful with some political advocacy, advocacy, and that sort of thing. That that helps me not to be hopeless is to is to join like minded people and and try to do a thing um, because, and, and I think we're all there for a similar reason. I mentioned that in one of the meetings I was at, I was like, thank you all for coming and, and allowing me to be part of this because 
I need you right now, you know, and I got many smile, you know, people smiling and nodding their heads and they were feeling the same way. And, um, well, yeah, like in, in, uh, advocacy and connection and taking mm -hmm. steps, like there's connection right, and with right. connection, there's hope. Right. So, but I think the other way you could also think about hopelessness is you can have moments of hopelessness, of the, like a true feeling of hopelessness. Um, but that moment of hope, hopelessness does not have to be all or nothing. It does mm -hmm. not have to be representative mm -hmm. of you or your views around the world. It could be a momentary mm -hmm. thing as opposed to a global thing. And I think how you do that is, a, is just allowing for the, um, the context of yeah. like, this is a feeling, a, a fleeting a feeling. You, you, you hope know? that hopelessness is fleeting. Uh, you know, you don't want to get mired into that obviously, but you know, but to recognize that I didn't feel this way yesterday. And I have felt this way before, and I recognize that this isn't something that lasts for me, but right now I'm feeling this way. And so what has worked before that type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. What else? Where else do people get stuck? Oh, with both, with polarized thinking. Well, uh, the vilifying stuff, I think that we kind of covered that, you know, um, uh, you know, seeing the other side as, as the villain and calling Dick Cheney, Darth Vader, um, all, all that, you know, um, that's like an older <laughs> reference, Dick Cheney. He's like a good guy now, I think. But, uh, anyway, um, depends on your perspective. Depends, but, I guess, um, on the, on the, uh, yeah, but, uh, surely. But yeah, I think, I think that what we could say about that too, with vilifying the other side is if we're all wrapped up in finger pointing, um, the problem is it's mm -hmm. smoke and mirrors to the actual issue. The problem with finger pointing is it's actually against change and against right. progress. Well, um, it feels, it feels even good. though it feels it's good. against change and progress because the okay. Now I'm going to put on my behavioral psychology hat and and, and how I how I speak about OCD. Yeah, I do. Is um, what is the I'm always saying this. What is the function of your behavior when you're vilifying? The function of your of your behavior is to let the other person know that you're mad at them you know, and that you think that they're wrong, you know, that's the function. If the function of that behavior is not to change, it is, is not to create change. So I think that's exactly, another, I think that's another piece of that. Maybe we're, I don't want to be redundant with the other piece of the vilifying bit. No, no, I think that that's true. And I think a lot of people on both sides mm -hmm. would agree to some degree that our politicians are spending way mm -hmm. too much time mm -hmm. fighting like children then they are actually right. doing useful things. Well, but here's my take on that. Agree with that they so. are vilifying the other side to get reelected. That's the that, so that's the function of their behavior. The, yeah, that's what works. It, it, the function of a politician. Exactly. Because it divides people, oh, which then mobilizes so when people. They, so yeah. let's not be naive about politics. You know, they, they are trying to get reelected. And the way that you do that is by vilifying the other side and, you know, look at any, yeah, the attack ads. Why do you think attack ads the are attacks. so important? You know what I mean? It's so effective because, yeah. They're so important, right? Because they appeal to our emotions. And like, at least in Pennsylvania, we're starting to see Fetterman and Oz the, campaign, 100%. Fetterman's running for, what's he running? Yeah, 
right? Like we're seeing that with them. Mm -hmm. We're seeing it with the government. We're seeing it with all of it. And like, you know, it starts at the, I always think it's really interesting because the political ads, like earlier in the political cycle, they start out with, here's who I am and here's what I believe in. And then as as we get past the primary season, we get closer to the election. That's when the real mud comes out and it gets dirtier and dirtier and dirtier leading up to the election. And like, that's really, truly to appeal to people's emotions so they can get what they want. And I think that we can all be like, uh, no, I'm not that dumb. I'm not gonna fall into that, right? Like, uh, you know, I think that there's room to say like, all right, like you can put that, um, you can put that commercial on the air and it's not gonna we do- We hope, Lauren, that's, that's why we're doing this podcast. I'm not, seriously, that's why we're doing this. We hope. Like, and it's not about being dumb, it's about being vulnerable to that. It, no, well, but, I know, yeah, I guess just, that's unfair. It's just about being yeah, vulnerable true. to that. It, it plays yeah. on our weaknesses as human creatures, honestly. I like how you said that. It's very non-judgmental. And like we all get influenced. It doesn't matter if it's politics or otherwise, right? Like we all get influenced. And you're and, less but susceptible that, but that's to that. That's also the, the point of why we're doing this podcast, you and me. To try to bring this to light to anybody that's you know yeah. trying to listen and trying to learn. You know, that we have I can't say it any better than I did before. We have these giant brains. You know, and we're and you and I are being very you know high minded in our prefrontal cortex. I, again, it's true because that's that's the part of the brain we're using. But these attack ads, they go back. What is the amygdala or what? I, I don't know the brain that well. Yeah, the reptile brain. It's exactly. the uh, reptile you know, the, brain. The, uh, what do you do? The fight flight stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. The fight flight. Yeah, it activates all of it. All right, so let's talk about another piece. Um, I, the one thing that I hear all the time is, um, I, well, I shouldn't say I hear, I hear this, but I really see this on social media, which is what's on the line is so important mm-hmm. that I can't see beyond it. This issue is so important oh, right. that I can't think of anything else. I cannot consider the other side, right? Like I'm so stuck in like what's, what I perceive to be on the line is kind of this ultimate threat and crisis. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I'm stuck in anger and hopelessness and dread and just doom gloom the world sucks politics is you know the whole thing um and so that's the not not you know the not zooming out part the not zooming out part go ahead yeah we're so zoomed in Mm -hmm. that it's the only thing we can see and that's when it leads Mm -hmm. to a really profound stuckness because now all of a sudden this is all we can think about and we are not living our lives and that comes at great consequence to our quality of life you know is it possible that we can live in the world that we live in and still have a decent quality of life i would hope so you know uh, one thing we talk about in OCD therapy, anxiety therapy all the time is that people get really stuck in, I cannot move on until this is right, until I feel better, until this is resolved, whatever. There's like a stuckness. And the thing that we talk about endlessly is no, move on anyway. You're not going to be able to yeah. resolve this. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to like zero out this. Mm-hmm. Like you're not always going to be able to feel good about it. And you have to mm-hmm. move on anyway. You have to live in the world anyway, because if you don't, it comes a consequence to your sanity, to your mental health, to your quality of life, to your relationships, to your job performance, the list goes on. It's really just about saying, you know, the more I magnify this thing mm-hmm. and get stuck in it, I'm not functional. So I have to kind of find a way to be functional anyway. And it, and doing so here's your black and white and doing so does yeah. not mean that the issue matters any less to you. It just means that I'm not going to be consumed. Can, uh, both can exist at the same time. My disdain for this really big problem that we have in our neighborhood or in the country or whatever, 
Um, and also, uh, you know, I, I, I have to, I have to hold, hold these two things at the same time, like my disdain for that, but also the other values that I have in my life. Yeah, right, right. I, gotta I, gotta, go I, st I still got to go to the grocery you know? store. I still have to take care of my kids. <laughs> I still have to make dinner tonight. Yeah, you know, yeah, like what's for dinner tonight? I still have to make dinner despite, you know, the gun, the gun violence issue in our country, you know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Okay, what's next? Um, okay, this is uh, anger. We're talking about anger. So anger has, has two functions. Anger can be really useful and towards progress. And anger can be really destructive. And you need to have the insight to mm -hmm. figure out where it's landing for you. Is this anger of utility or is this anger destructive? And righteous anger which leads to kind of moralizing and I am right and you are wrong. And mm -hmm. this is the way to be. And this is the way not to be. That is not only of little utility, but mm -hmm. it's also incredibly. Divisive. I agree. I've, I've, I've encountered people where we'll talk about anger and they're like, no, but that person is wrong, you know? And uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, that maybe that might be true. Right. But like, uh, what, what's, what's your point? How are you going to move past that? How are you going to still live in, live in this world and move on from this? Um, this, this, this taps into what we were talking about before though, too, about the primal brain, the alligator brain, you know, getting stuck by those impulses of anger. You know what I mean? That, 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 that feeling that you get, you know, when somebody cuts me off in a car, for example, I'm very, very, very angry, you know, and my temptation is to flip them off or something like that. But I can't, I have to, I have to reckon I'm not a monkey, you know, I'm not an alligator. I can't bite this person. I can't bite them. <laughs> I want to bite them very badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please don't. I've please had the don't, thought at the next stoplight, I'm going to bite your nose. <laughs> I'm going to come over to your car and bite your nose. Um, Just because yeah, right. that alligator I just want, really the whole funny. alligator thing. Uh, but no, but, but, you know, <laughs> anyway, we're, yeah, we have, we have the capacity as a human animal to, to try to, to try to uh, disrupt that. And we have to, otherwise we're going to go to jail. And some people do. The people that are in jail, this is a vast overstatement. I'm not defending the justice system. The, the justice yeah, system, I'm not gonna defend the justice system <laughs> in our country too much. But if you have a history of crime and you know lack of you know anger control, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. And uh, th those folks are having a real hard time with this piece. Sure. So anyway, go, go. Well, and even like out of jail, I mean, like we, you look at half the reality TV yeah. and it's people, you know, raging in each other's faces. And like that comes a consequence too to your relationship, sure. sanity. I mean, it's not obviously, these are two small examples, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, let me point out one thing about anger is that, so all of, all human emotions have kind of like a uh, prompting event that is universal. So anger, so anger, the prompting event for anger doesn't matter if you are an animal, if you are a baby that does not have language, if you're a child, you're an adult, whatever, anybody is going to feel mm. angry when an important goal is blocked. And that mm -hmm. like, so if somebody cuts you off in traffic, your important goal of getting where you need to go, or, you know, the other prompting event for anger is you feel threatened. So actually traffic is kind of like a blend of the two. You feel threatened and your goal is blocked. Um, it makes sense that you feel angry. And there's going to be plenty of times where it's going to make a lot of sense for people to feel angry politically or otherwise because mm -hmm. your important goal is blocked or you feel threatened and it is maladaptive to act on that anger. 
And so for that reason, you need to be able to kind of have the insight to it, to be able to zoom out and say, is this Let's useful? Just say, that, is a, that, is a, that is a skill that needs practice, that you have to practice these skills. We're talking about this in this podcast, oh, as though definitely. you're just going to snap your fingers and well, I don't want it to come off that way, as though you're just going to, people that listen to this are going to hear this and be like, oh, great. I, you know, I know sure. that now. Um, this is a thing that you must practice. Yeah. You have to practice it. I have to practice it. When, yeah, I have to practice when I drive. I do. A I lot. That example a lot because I get really mad and I have to practice that. You know, and with my kids, God, if you're a parent, you know, you know this, and and um, because I don't hit my kids, I don't hit them. I I very much want to sometimes, uh, especially my youngest right now, but I can't. I won't do that. I won't do that. Um, anyway, right? Yeah, you don't want to do that. Now your mm. anger rises mm -hmm. because you are a human being with mm -hmm. emotions and your important goal is blocked right. and you have to restrain that emotion and not act on it because it's you know counter to your values it's not like you know i think another distortion that we see a lot around anger is that if i get mad i'm a bad person no no i'm a bad parent i'm a bad partner because i got mad at my partner i got mad at my kid no you're just a person and people feel emotions and you have to manage your emotions and this is also true when it comes to, you know, the political things too. Um, okay, so let's talk about conflict for a minute. I, I wanted to point this one out that, you know, when you encounter a conflict or you find yourself in a conflict, there's kind of this instinctive mm -hmm. human urge, this reptile brain thing, where people will either mm -hmm. get a bit of a freeze response where they're like, oh God, oh no, yeah. what's happening? What do I do? What do I say, right? Or it's that immediate urge to defend. And I think this plays out so much in politics, right? Like you either freeze if somebody says something you disagree with and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say. And, you know, you get stuck in that or you immediately defend and then we get, you know, just like mired in the mud. Um, but we talk about an anxiety treatment all the time of like, what's the threat, right? And is the thing that you're actually having a response to a threat? And conflict is not a threat. You know, and if we can move the like fear response out of it um, or that instinctive emotional response, then we can actually have discourse. Um, and I think this I'm sure what you're about to say is all about this. Kind uh, yeah, of we, on we, we too, that before. Right? this is where I eventually meant to bring that point up. Uh, but yeah, it's here, too, because that when when you're presented with an idea, you disagree with it. We get into this primal tribe zone in the back of our brain. And, you know, again, once again, we have to we have to learn how to tolerate that this isn't a threat, you know, uh, that, that, that as a human animal, these, we, we want in our, at our best, we want these, um, these conflicts to lead to this, some kind of discernible discourse, um, towards change. And that's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So let's uh, let's wrap this up. What are, what's the takeaways you'd want to leave with people um, about some of well, this political polarization? Uh, that we we have to we have to work together. The other side is not going away. No one's being owned. No one's being. Uh, we're not going to like own the libs and put them on a bus to Mexico, uh, and that's going to be the end of it. <laughs> what, what's other other side or the, or the right? Whatever, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, or the middle or whatever. Yep. Let's just hold the whole conversation. It's about, about, um, exactly. yeah, yeah. there's, there's a, there's a whole range of ideas. We have to appreciate that 
that we're not all going to get along. And we're trying to do a very hard thing in our country where there's 50 states. It's so big. There's so many people, you know, and to try to organize this in the way that we have um, uh, is not easy. And there's a lot of uh, trials and tribulations over the years. And we're in a time now in our country where it's real polarized. And um, I hope that we can get through it if we could, uh, if we could just sort of take a step back and realize the the pieces that feed into polarization and the ways to get out of it, the ways to not feel hopeless, the way, uh, you know, the, the way to have this, uh, that there's a way to have this discourse if we just try a little harder and kind of realize what, what what's at stake. Yeah, totally. I think what I would add to it, so much of the summary for me, it all goes back to like, Humble yourself mm -hmm. with the idea that you too have a reptile brain and when it activates, mm -hmm. notice it, name it, don't get stuck in it, you know, like be able to say, all right, like my emotions are really active right now and I know where that's going to lead me. And, you know, let me, you know, there's a saying in the AAA that I really like, which is you got to clean your side of the street. And I think, and that's really, I think what it comes down to here, like we all have to be as mindful and thoughtful as we can with ourselves and our perspectives and then how we bring that into the world so that, you know, we're focusing on what, what we can impact change around and not just, you know, getting angry into the abyss. Um, so the last thing I'll say is, you know, there's this DBT concept that I really like and it's called effectiveness and it sounds like very simple and it is actually very simple. And how it works is you say, imagine the end result that you want, then figure out the steps it'll take for you to do that and then do the steps. And in order to do this, you have to be unmindful of desire, want, fairness, equity, rightness, moralizing, you know, motivation, interest, any of these things that get in the way and all of those things get in the way. But it's just make it simple, figure out what you want, do the steps and just stay there. You know, so I think that, you know, that, that is essentially like sure. how you do your side of the street. I like it, Lauren. So you can go towards change. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Well, <laughs> let's, you know, let's, let's hope that we can do right, some Lauren. good in the world with this one. So, okay. <laughs> all right, cool. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.